family friends. Uh, we had uh, we had uh, our family dinner last evening, and uh, we all sat around the table. And uh, there were there were 15 of us. One was missing that could have been there. Our new daughter-in-law was uh, was away at school, and uh, so she wasn't able to be there. But. Yeah, we had almost our whole family there. This is a real treat this year. We're just missing one section of the family, but uh, we'll we'll get them here soon. That, yeah, I'm praying that way. No, anyway, we had a great we had a great turkey dinner, and it was good. So, um, and we're talking about dinner again. Dinner with Jesus. We've been talking about what it's like. Uh, you know, when the Bible talks about uh, having dinner with Jesus, and we've always been looking at the stories we've been looking at are all in the Gospel of Luke. Now, it's interesting, as someone put it this way, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. So, you know, if you look at Luke's gospel, there's always talking about food. Now, it's interesting also that Luke is a doctor. Don't you think that's interesting? I think a doctor would be concerned about nutrition and health. And it was, it was, it was notable to him enough that he actually recorded all of these meals that Jesus is having with people. And Jesus himself said, you know, I, I came eating and drinking. He came actually to live a life with real people in real places and, uh, and eating real food. He didn't live some kind of clouded life up here, you know, above all the rest of us uh, with some kind of divine intravenous to get nutrition. No, he experienced life just like us, and he came eating and drinking. And he spent a lot of time having meals today, uh, meals when when he was on earth. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about grace at the table, how Jesus shows graciousness and, uh, and the, to the people that he chooses to eat with, and not always the people you'd expect to him to eat with. In fact, people were kind of shocked at some of the low-life people that Jesus spent time with and actually shared meals with. And that was really part of his, his whole um, methodology of bringing grace to those who needed it most. Last week, we talked about the family meal, and we, we focused in on the story with uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus and how Martha was kind of an example of how we can get caught up in the chores surrounding meals, so much so that you miss the opportunity to connect and relate to those who are most important to us. So those are a couple of messages we've already had. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the Thanksgiving feast. Since it's Thanksgiving, we're going to talk a little bit about being thankful and some of the implications of that. So um, let's eat, right? Are you hungry yet? You know, it's not, it's not as easy as it once was to feed people, you know? I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, if you're, if you're a cook or whatever, you know, people have all kinds of particular... Um, dietary uh, idiosyncrasies today. Do, do, do you think, though? I mean, do you notice that? You know, there's all kinds of different things that influence what we eat and, uh, and, and what we will eat, what we won't eat. And, you know, culture is a big thing. Um, you know, I was raised by uh, immigrant parents that came from Holland, and uh, they, they pretty well blended pretty quickly into, uh, into society. So we always had turkey. But my parents almost always noted that if they were living back in Holland, we'd be eating rabbit. And I thought that was the grossest thing. Even the thought of eating a rabbit is just still today. I can't do that. But anyway, you know, your family of origin 
really affects what you enjoy eating. The things that you were raised with, the things that you uh, have, have experienced in the past, those are often the things you want to return to. And uh, also taste has something to do with it, what you like and dislike. We all have different tastes, right? We all have different uh, the way we process food. There's some things that, uh, that I like and some things I don't like, and uh, I don't like coconut, so there you go. Um, and there's something about that taste uh, that I just don't enjoy. But other people love it. Some people eat food just because it's fuel. You know, you see these people at the gym and they've got this big plastic container full of broccoli and they're just, you know, eating broccoli and white chicken breasts because they just see this as fuel and this is the best source of fuel for them. And, and it's like putting gas in the tank. They just need fuel to be able to, to get on to the next thing, the next bit of exercise that they're doing. Other people, on the other hand, don't even think of it as fuel. They just think of it as comfort. It's all about comfort. It makes me feel good inside when I eat copious amounts of sugar or whatever. You know, it's just all about comfort. It's about those cookies and, you know, the chocolate and, the, you know, the, the, the you know, fresh baked bread smothered with butter and, you know, comfort. Mashed potatoes and things like that, you know? Yeah. Other people are very influenced by allergies. Uh, you know, more and more people seem today to have allergies to certain kinds of food, and there are certain foods that they, they, they can't eat. And, uh, you know, we share a house with some people that have some allergies, and, you know, we love uh, nuts. Hope and I uh, enjoy, and she especially loves all kinds of different nuts, and uh, we have someone in our house that has a nut allergy, so our house doesn't have any nuts in it, and that's a sacrifice, you know. Um, some people eat because of control. They want to control things, and they use food to control. One of the things they want to control often is their weight. And so, you know, everything about food is about how many calories are in it. And they're always counting calories, and they're always saying, no, that's too fattening, or that's too, that's, I'm going to put weight on if I eat that. And I, you know, I, I, I'd really like the chocolate chip cookie, but the broccoli has got a lot less calories in it. So I'll, I'll choose. You know, people make, you know, they want to control things, and so that's why they eat. Others, it's about nutrition. It's about how many vitamins are in it, how, how good it is for their body. Other people are concerned about environmental issues. There are people today that are very concerned about certain things with the environment. And so they think, you know, that if they change their eating habits, it will affect the climate a little better. I was listening to someone talking about this this week, about, uh, you know, the, the detriment that cattle bring to the, the environment, apparently. Now, I haven't stopped eating beef, but... Um, but they they used they 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 gave a really uh, uh, interesting visual about how many cows there are in uh, in the world. They said if you've had all the cows in the world grazing in one spot, they would fill a land space bigger than the continental United States. That's how many cows there are in the world. Isn't that amazing? So I guess you know the issues that they have with their flatulence and all that kind of thing does have an effect on the 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 environment. Other people are concerned about natural and organic and things like that. And other people are concerned about, you know, whether the food is genetically modified food. There's so many complexities to, um, to, to people's food choices today. It's a bit of a, a nightmare for the cooks in the world. Back in 2016, Pew Research um, made this conclusion. Food and the way we eat has become a potential source of social friction as people follow their own ideologies about what to eat and how foods connect with their ailments. 
So people are really concerned about it. It actually becomes uh, an issue that causes friction. People actually argue over food. Now, that must be a first-world problem, right? If we have so much choice in food that we actually can argue about what we're eating and what we're not. So let me just share a few things uh, with you that are kind of a Thanksgiving reminder before I kind of get to my main point this morning. First of all, I just want to mention, remind you that all food is God's food and it's good food. All food is God's food and it's good food. Uh, in, uh, In the book of Timothy, Paul says this, God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. Our primary reaction to the things that we are blessed with should be thanksgiving. We have the opportunity, we have the choice, and we we need to consider the fact that the fact that we have a choice even of what we're going to eat is a blessing in itself, and we should be thankful. Above all of our other things, all of our other choices, we must give thanks. Secondly, food celebration and thanksgiving go together. Whenever we sit down to a meal, it should be a reason to celebrate and we should give thanks and it should be a joyful moment. Ecclesiastes 9 and 7 says, Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved what you do. God is, is blessed by the things that you are blessed with, and he enjoys us to enjoy the goodness of his, of his bounty and the things that he provides for us. Thirdly, beware of the bondage um, to food rules. There's so much today, I think we just have to be mindful of it. I'm not saying anybody's right or anybody's wrong in this, and we all have our own choices, and, and we all have our options, but there's so much judgment and morality associated with food today. There's so much, people are judged by what they eat and what they don't eat, and we, people are so bound up by the, the food uh, rules that they adhere to. And there are many valid reasons why people have chosen to center their lives around certain philosophies of food. But be careful that we're not trading one form of bondage for another. That we haven't just turning one other thing into more rules and more and and, and less grace. That we're we're condemning one another with the food that we eat. Uh, Colossians, Paul says something I think that is really poignant uh, for today when we think about the food that we eat and why we eat it and how we eat it. He says, he says this in, to, the, to the church at Colossae, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires." You know, we can get so bound up in the rules and of, of that people set for us today that we lose the joy and we lose the, the, the sense of thankfulness for what God has given us. In Christ, there is no ladder of greatness associated with the human rules and restrictions that people have. So be very careful and be wary of those people who bring judgment about food in your life. Now let's get to the main point today. 
And this is the question I want to kind of challenge you with this morning, is if God invited you to a banquet, would you go? If you got a special invitation from Jesus, and he was hosting a banquet, and, uh, and you got an invitation to go, would you go? Um, there's a story in uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 24, where um, Jesus is at a meal, he's having a meal, and he's talking about food. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit of an obsession, right? You know, you sit at a meal and you're talking about food. You're eating and you're talking about the next meal, you know? <laughs> you ever done that? No. Or you're talking about what's for dessert. <laughs> so Jesus warns his hosts, in, in, in Luke chapter 14, he warns his hosts that he should be more inclusive in his invitation list. He looks around the table. Jesus has been invited to this very important person's house. And he looks around the table and he sees that everybody is kind of of a certain status. And Jesus warns the, the guy. He says, you know, maybe you should expand your invitation list to include some people that aren't so comfortable for you, that aren't so the same as you, that they're a little bit different. Maybe you should, you know, just be a little bit in Jesus, you know, because that's how Jesus was. He ate with everybody. And he kind of goes at this host. Now, if you've ever been at a table where you've had, you know, people kind of start complaining to the host or, you know, ever have one of those awkward conversations, you know, at a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal where someone says something that seems really inappropriate, at least it's not polite. Well, Jesus is kind of doing that. He's, he's accusing the host of not being very gracious in how he is hosting this meal. And, and, um, and so it gets a little uncomfortable. And imagine there's this awkward silence, and then this man who's at the table with Jesus and with the host, he, I think he, to cure the awkwardness, he says, won't it be great to be part of the banquet in the kingdom of God? And he kind of breaks the ice here. He says, wouldn't it, won't it be wonderful? You know, kind of like a toast. He holds up his glass and says, won't it be great when we all eat together in the kingdom of God? And Jesus answers him by telling a little story, a parable. And this is what Jesus said. He says, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Yeah. Um, so another, another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. Another one said, well, will there be wine served? I don't drink. Another one said, sorry, I don't eat meat. Another one said, I don't eat dairy. Another one said, well, I'm not sure if the kitchen is up to, up to date with health standards, so I'm not sure if I want to eat at that place. Now, I added some of those in, right? <laughs> you got that, right? But the point is, people were making excuses. They were invited to this banquet, and they were making excuses as why not to come. So the servant returned and told his master, Jesus said, this is actually what Jesus said. The servant returned and told his master what they said. And his master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, 
the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you find to come so that the house will be full, for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste at my banquet. So in answer to this person's question or to this, this, this concept that, oh yes, won't it be wonderful when we all get to the kingdom? Jesus says, no, no. There will be people that make excuses. There are people that, that won't go because, well, the food's not right or they're too busy or they've got this priority or that priority. Now, Jesus is giving a specific warning to the elitist Jews who are at the table, but maybe to us as well. You see, if God invited you to a banquet, would you go? Would you go on God's terms to God's banquet? If you, Some would say, well, I'll go if it's a buffet and if I can pick and choose from God what I want from him. If I can take, you know, his kindness and I can take his love and I can take his, uh, you know, his, his gifts of healing and his, his gift of provision. But, well, I don't want to take any of that side, you know, that's responsibility or morality or obedience or any of those things. I'll, I, I like the buffet style where I can pick what I want because I certainly, I don't want any coconut served to me. So please, I got to pick my own food, right? Would you be happy with the things that might be served? When you look at what God has to say to us and what God demands of us and what he requires of us to sit at his table, are we willing to follow along with him? Are we willing to be obedient? On the other hand, would you be willing to sit beside the other guests that were there? Um, My sister and her husband celebrated their 51st anniversary yesterday. And last year, they celebrated their 50th, obviously, and they had a party for their 50th anniversary. And one of my relatives who, you know, who had a really um, uh, bad divorce many, many years ago, like we're talking decades ago, um, wouldn't come to my sister's 50th birthday party because her ex-husband was going to be there. Well, what if your ex-husband or your ex-wife or that ex-whatever is at the table with Jesus too? Would you come? Would you come if someone that you don't like, someone you don't appreciate, someone that you don't agree with, or someone that you, you know, if, if someone else is invited that you just can't understand how God would invite that person to the table, would you be willing to go? Or would you just sit it out? Say, no, I don't want to go to that banquet because, well, so-and-so is going to be there. and I can't sit with that person. I can't eat with that person. No way. They're just the wrong person for me. Do you have rules and expectations that hinder you from sharing the same table with Jesus and his other friends? We all have ideologies and we have disagreements with one another. We have disagreements over disagreements over over lifestyle choices. We have different dis, disagreements over how we spend our money, where we live. All kinds of disagreements we have with people. There's so many people in this world that disagree with me. I can't understand what's wrong with them. But Jesus calls everybody to the table. You see, when we talk about heaven, when we talk about eternal life, oftentimes in the Bible, when they talk about that, they're referring, they refer to a banquet that Jesus is hosting. 
you look at the book of Revelation, everything culminates with a banquet. Jesus started the church at a table. He started the church, or he started the whole process with his disciples at the table, passing out bread and wine. And it says that in the, in the day when the kingdom of God is fully, is fully fulfilled and everything is in place, there's going to be a huge banquet. And Jesus stands at the head of the table and he invites everybody in all the world to come. Everyone is invited. You're invited. I'm invited. All the people out there are invited. All the people around the world, all of our enemies are invited. All of the people we don't like are invited. All the people we disagree with, everybody is invited to the table. And there are going to be people there coming to the table along with us. And he invites us all to come. The invitation is broad. And it's his banquet. It's his party. And it's on his terms. So when we say yes to the invitation, he doesn't force anyone to come. He doesn't say, well, you know, you have to come to my... He's very clear about this in the parable. When Once you say no, it's fine. It's fine. You have that choice. You have that ultimate right to choose not to come to the table. But that seat, your seat is not going to be left empty. Someone else is going to be invited to fill your seat. And, you know, um, when people think about eternity and they think about heaven and they think about hell and they think about judgment and all of those things, and some people picture God, and this is something we'll probably deal with in our upcoming series on who God is, people often picture God kind of picking and choosing who goes to heaven and who goes to hell and, you know, who, who's in and who's out, however you want to picture those things. And, the, and, and, and it's, it's Jesus that's picking. I don't believe it's Jesus that's picking. I believe it's us that picks. Because it's ultimately, if you don't want to be with Jesus now, if you don't want to serve Jesus today, if you don't want to follow Jesus today, if you don't want to be obedient to his word, if you don't want to live for Jesus today, why would you ever want to go and spend eternity with him? Why would you ever want to go and eat at his table? Why would you ever want to go and, 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 and be stuck beside people that you don't agree with? You see, because that invitation is so broad and the people that are in are the people that want to be there and the people that are out are the people that said, no, I'm too busy. I, I bought some oxen, got a new tractor, got a new car. All the excuses we might come up with. I wanted to hold on to my things. I wanted to hold on to my relationships. I wanted to hold on to the way I do life. And I didn't want to really follow along with what Jesus has to do. So I'm not going to his banquet. And we choose to be outside when we could be inside. You know, we should be thankful that we even got an invitation. And we shouldn't be offended by who else got one either. This is, I think what Jesus was saying to, to these people was that this invitation goes out to everyone and you think that, that, that everything's going to be peachy and rosy in the kingdom of God, that there's not going to be any, you know, we, we've got such a bad view of heaven, so many of us. You know, we think of these fluffy clouds and we think about, you know, um, you know God just being a God of love and a God of, you know, and, but it's not that way, it's an invitation, it's a clear invitation. And you, 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 you come to the host at his invitation, and he invites you in. And if you say no, he'll go out and he'll find someone else to fill your place. We have the choice of whether or not we will sit at the table with Jesus. We have that blessing of that choice. 
Now, I want you just to do a little uh, imagination exercise. Got a little picture up here, a few pictures. All right, so I just, I picked some pictures of table settings, okay? So there's five there. You pick one. Just take a look at them. Which one you find most attractive? Which table would you like to be sitting at? Now close your eyes and imagine that table and imagine that Jesus at the head of that table. Imagine that Jesus is there. He's invited you to come and you're about ready to take your seat and then you see what he's serving. He's serving all his favorite food. It might be the same as you, as your favorite food. It might not be. It might be something there that just you don't like. Will you still sit down at the table? But more than that, when you look across this long table, because all these tables are big, when you look at this big table and you see the other people that are coming to the table, are you okay with that? Can you sit beside that person? Can you sit across from that person? Oh, yes, we could all sit beside, you know, the people that we love and the people that agree with us and the people that we care about. But would we be willing to sit beside that one person that person you used to have a relationship with you don't have with anymore, a person that believes something different than you that you don't agree with, someone that lives a different way than you live, would you be willing, if Jesus invited them and they were there, would you be willing to sit with them? You see, Jesus invites us all to a banquet and it's called eternity. And every one of us is given that opportunity. But one of the, rec- the, the prerequisites is that we have to be willing to go on Jesus' terms, in Jesus' way. Are you willing to go? Would you go to this banquet that Jesus offers to you? Lord, we pray this morning that you would just, um, on this Thanksgiving weekend, just help us to understand, Lord, that... Uh, You love this whole world. You love us, and you've invited us to the table. And many of us, Lord, have said, yes, we want to be at the table. But sometimes we've we've kind of put our own terms on it. And Lord, I pray you forgive us for that and help us, Lord, to to kind of shed those things, those prejudices and those those, um, belief systems, Lord, that really hinder us from experiencing what you really experience, Lord. And there are some of us here, Lord, who have never even heard about an invitation or we haven't really made any, given any thought to the fact that you've invited us to a banquet and that eternity is this banquet and you've invited it to us. And Lord, we really haven't even taken time to consider it. I pray, Lord God, that any person who's, who's thinking about that today, Lord, who's hearing maybe for the first time or being reminded of the fact that, that they're invited and it's got eternal consequences as to what we do with that invitation, I pray, Lord, that you speak into their hearts and into their lives. I pray, Lord God, that each one of us, Lord, would, uh, would be free to enjoy every gift that you give us in this day of this season of Thanksgiving. May we just be appreciative of everything that you offer us and all the blessings we have received. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you, um, you know, you've, you've listened to my message, you just, um, you've kind of come to the realization that you want to, that Jesus has invited you to come to him, to be part of a, in a relationship with him. And this picture of a table is just a, it's just a metaphor. It's just a picture. It's really about relationship. 
and you want to be in a relationship with Jesus, you've never done that, I encourage you to go and meet the people at our prayer station over here after the service, and they'd be happy to pray with you about that, talk with you about that, and uh, just encourage you today. So I want to just read to you one more time the scripture that I read from Ecclesiastes, and this is my, my thanksgiving blessing to you that comes from the scripture. It says, go. And you're not going to go yet, because uh, um, uh, Virginia's going to come and dismiss you in just a minute. Go. Eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved of what you do. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and enjoy all the wonderful food that you get served this weekend. God bless you. Thank you, Virginia.